Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast. She Reads Truth creates beautiful, accessible Bible reading plans and resources to help you get into God's Word every day. Each week here on the podcast, we talk about what we're going to read together as a community this week. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And welcome to the sixth and final week of our Everything New series. Rachel, I have loved this. It's been so good. It's been really good. It has been a journey, and it has been beautiful and rich. And this conversation with our new friend, our guest for today, Jamal Williams, was the perfect end yeah, of I agree. a beautiful series. Better than I could have hoped. Like, truly, it was just, just right. Yes. So good that we just finally hit record as we were already talking. So you're gonna, you're just going <laughs> to kind of fall into our conversation there at the beginning. But Jamal is the lead pastor of Sojourn Church Midtown in Louisville, Kentucky. He has a heartbeat for the church. You're going to hear that in this conversation and Absolutely. in investing in young leaders and equipping pastors for multi-ethnic, multi-socioeconomic, and multi-generational ministry. It's a mouthful, and it's a beautiful mouthful. The work he's doing is so good. He's the co-author of a book that we'll talk a little bit about called In Church As It Is In Heaven. It just released last year. It's just a great ending. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation. But first, Rachel, you have a special message for us. I do. So, Amanda, you mentioned that this is episode six of six for this series, which means next week we're starting something new because at She Reads Truth, we are women and men in the Word of God every day. And so that means when we end one thing, we start another. Y'all listening probably know that when we end this, we're actually starting our Lent series. So next Monday will be our first week of a series, a two-part. We're going to first begin with a study called People of Remembrance, and then we're going to follow that by reading the book of Matthew together as a community Mm -hmm. leading up to Holy Week and Easter. And so anyway, what I want you to know today (laughs) is that that Matthew book that's coming, we will start reading that March 4th following People of Remembrance, but Matthew is not a book that is new to our community. I'm really excited to be reading it for Lent this year, but over the years, we've created and curated so much good content around the book of Matthew that we actually have so many extras that we couldn't even fit into that book. (laughs) And so free gift idea that we had, we were like, well, what if we gave anyone who purchased Matthew between now and February 10th just a bundle of extras that would just be additional biblical literacy tools as you study the book of Matthew. So go to shopshereadstruth.com, either get a digital reading guide or a physical reading guide, no code necessary. You will just automatically get an email with those wonderful digital extras. We love you and we hope they bless you and just increase your biblical literacy. And with that, Amanda, let's get right to the show. That's not too far from the Abbey of Gethsemane, is it? Oh, Isn't it it's, like somewhere it's up not. in there? I love the Abbey. It's about 40 minutes away. So I visit there. That's actually how I received my call to the church I'm at. I was at the Abbey on a silent retreat and bumped into the former lead pastor. And I was pastoring a no church. Kidding. Yeah, African-American church here in the city for eight years. He pastored Sojourn, which was a large all-white church that just moved into wow. a majority black area. And we both were at the Abbey. My wife and I loved our church, saw ourselves retiring there. But for like six months, we felt the Lord was telling us our time was done. And so we got away on a silent retreat, bumped into him. He was like, man, I don't think I can lead us in this next direction. And the elders were praying and 
felt that you were the top candidate. I'm actually, I was going to reach out to you really nervous about it. We had been friends for about a decade. And so I came into an all-white church that was in a very diverse area. By God's grace, we've grown to be a multi-ethnic church. So that's what the book is all about. And the Abbey holds a special place in my heart because it was when I was away there that we just happened to be at the same place at a silent retreat separately, same week, and bump into each other and had an amazing conversation. So Wow. So friends who are coming in on this conversation, we started talking hit record and our friend Jamal Williams here is telling us not only about his call to his church, but also about your book, In Church As It Is In Heaven. Jamal, tell us about that book. Yeah, In Church As It Is In Heaven. It's all about how to cultivate a multi-ethnic kingdom culture in your church. And it's a story about how I came from a historic African-American church to an all-white church, along with my co-author, Timothy Paul Jones. He came from a different church, but to cultivate what we call a multi-ethnic kingdom culture. And that's simply a culture where our identities are just rooted in the gospel, but in such a way that allows us to appreciate and to celebrate our ethnic and cultural identities, that which is true, good, and beautiful out of them, as well as to bear the burdens of other ethnic cultures. So it's all about how to help your church have a welcoming, hospitable culture. I love that. And I think a little bit that I read about this book also, you're approaching this in such a well-rounded way because you're not just going multi-ethnic, but you're going multi-generational, multi-socioeconomic. Yeah. Like you are wanting, let's say, in church as it is in heaven, like yeah. you want where you worship and who you worship with to reflect what heaven's going to look like. That's right. Mm. That's right. Yeah, we believe when Jesus teaches to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that that is telling us that we should be pursuing what heaven is going to be like here on earth to the best of our abilities. And we don't have to wait to get to heaven to be able to taste that, to experience that. And we believe that churches that we have the answer in the gospel. We don't have to look outside of what Jesus has given us to cultivate that community. So it's a book where we draw from apologetics, church history, but most importantly, the Bible to say, hey, what did the early church get right? How were they a fellowship of differences? It's a fun work. It was really fun to write. Fellowship of differences. Fellowship of differences. You you just said we don't have to. I want you to say it again so that I can like sear this in my memory. (laughs) We don't have to wait until Jesus returns. Say that again. Yeah, we don't have to wait until Jesus returns to have the benefits of heaven and of the kingdom. Right. So think about our sanctification. Mm -hmm. We know that we one day will be glorified. We will be with Christ perfectly. But we don't stop pursuing holiness because it's going to one day be automatic or one day be there. So in the same way with diversity, we know that in Revelation chapter seven, there's a people from every nation, tribe and tongue worshiping Jesus. But we should not just be satisfied with having that in heaven. We should pursue that now. And we have that in the Great Commission, and we have that in the example of the early church. So we're saying, what's hindering us from getting there? And let's move through there. One of the things about the book is it's very liturgical and contemplative as well. So we're approaching this from a perspective of, hey, our identity is in Christ. We are not trying Mm -hmm. to prove something or to earn something. We're simply just living out of what God has given us. So, yeah. I'm like laughing because I'm so happy and thankful and not surprised at (laughs) how perfectly the Lord has brought us to this conversation with you specifically, Jamal, because this reading plan and specifically this final week of this series that we've been in called Everything New – 
this is exactly what we're talking about, what we're reading about, that that yes, those are future realities, yes. but they also have already begun. Amen. Like Jesus has already initiated this work, and it is ongoing, and we don't have to wait mm-hmm. That's right. to participate. Like we are called to these ministries yeah. on earth and in our churches mm-hmm. That's right. as it is in heaven. As ambassadors, as a holy priesthood, yeah. as fellow disciplers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's right. That's amazing. I mean, I feel like y'all listening can't see us right now, and we only have the benefit of just a video screen, but I feel like that whole time, Jamal, as you were talking, you could probably see our faces just like glowing <laughs> and nodding and smiling. Absolutely. Going, yes, Absolutely. Oh, I love what you have to say. Yeah. Yes, our team just knew exactly how to schedule this. Well, <laughs> Well, so you guys have been with us for five weeks. This is week six of six. And we talked about this a little bit last week, but I just want to remind us about kind of the structure of the actual scripture reading plan that we're in. We've been talking about this concept of everything new, that we find it in scripture. It's a promise from God. It is As I said, it's already ongoing. The work has already begun, and it's sort of like there's a beginning part. In the beginning part of the reading plan, it says the end is our beginning, that like we're kind of starting from where we know we're headed, but now we're letting that inform our current identity as followers of Jesus and our actions, like our lives. Our lives are shaped by this truth and this reality. And so you all might remember when we were in the our affectionate nickname for it is the messy middle <laughs> of the both of the reading plan to be clear the reading plan is not messy it's beautiful but the reading plan and to kind of exemplify where we are in the redemption story right. that we're in this overlap mm-hmm. right of everything is broken mm-hmm. But everything is being made new. It's in the we're in the am of making, not like I will oh. make, but we're in the I am making everything new. That's good. Oh. That's a good word. Here I like I like that making. a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so back, he's like, I'm taking some notes. Um, back in week two and three, we had these sort of already and not yet sort of both ands that were happening. So we had decay and flourishing, abdication and dominion. Suffering and healing, death and life, need and abundance, exile and invitation, discord and harmony. And now, here we are in the final week, and we began this at the end of last week, but now we're talking about how we get to participate in this making new. So we have a ministry of healing, a ministry of life, a ministry of what abundance. are all the things? Abundance. It I keeps love going. though that it's like we started with like here are the opposites, these things that oppose one another, and that now we're invited into instead of suffering and healing, now we get to be a part of the ministry of healing. Yep. Instead of death and life, we're a part of the ministry of life, and we're invited into that. That's good. Yeah, Jamal. There was a phrase in this as I was preparing for this conversation with you and Rachel today that we get to participate in undoing what is broken. And I have so kind. I have thought of that as Jesus work, like Jesus is I think about the quote from Narnia you yeah. know, like, is it from Narnia or is it from Tolkien? Oh, somebody's gonna get mad at me for not knowing. <laughs> I think it's Tolkien. Everything it's Tolkien. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. yeah. It's like everything sad will become will untrue. Come true. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's absolutely. Tolkien, right, Jamal? That's it Tolkien. Is. I believe I'm so. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that they are two different humans and they oh, are not. Amanda inter- Williams is a human. I'm a human. Yeah. They're not interchangeable. Yeah. But I think about that as the work that Jesus is doing. And it is the work that Jesus is doing. It is. I don't often think of myself as getting to participate in mm. undoing what's broken. That's good. That's good. But that's a thing that we're invited into, right? Amen. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're invited into that, I think, to help with others. But I think we also get to participate. Yeah. And what God is doing in us, right? And that sanctification process to kind of bring us from a place of disorientation from what the fall has done to just reorientation and recreation. So not just in what God is doing in the world, but man, we get to participate in that too, in our own sanctification by the way in which we are pursuing Jesus. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's right. It's so good. I mean, on earth as it is in heaven. Like, I just, mm-hmm. we read it earlier in the plan. We're just going to keep saying it today. Well, this ministry of healing is where we start on Monday, today, if you're listening to this on the day that it releases. And this reading day kind of went differently than I expected. I don't know how you all felt, yeah. but that the ministry of healing Like the way that it's summarized here in part is lamenting with those who grieve and honoring those who suffer. And I thought that was a really beautiful way to put that. To describe healing. Yes, to describe healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just so important. And I love that as well. We see this in the Beatitudes. I think in a ministry of reconciliation, Mm -hmm. one of the best ways that you can love a brother or sister who's going through anything is just by lamenting with them. You know, sometimes people get caught up on a distinction between maybe calling even people to repent for things of the past. I always like to say, let's lament. Let's start at lamenting for Mm. things of the past. That's something that everybody can do, no matter where you are theologically or what you think about that subject. When people see us grieve, when people see us lament, they see us love, right? I think it's just so powerful that Jesus was a man of sorrow and of grief. Like that's part of who Mm -hmm. the Messiah is. That's part of who his ministry on earth was, And so Mm -hmm. we can lament as well. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? It's just uh, this inverted upside down kingdom, these upside down values. The world values say, blessed are the one who is strong, who doesn't show weakness. She says, no, blessed are the ones who who are weak, who are vulnerable, Mm -hmm. right? Whose hearts hurt for what they see. Yeah. Yeah. I even noticed in a Colossians passage for day 36, I liked that line, bearing with one another. Mm-hmm. I think that's just yeah, that's such a right. beautiful way to put it. I think that bearing with kind of adds secondary or tertiary colors to maybe the primary colors yeah. of, you know, mm-hmm. of compassion and kindness. But that like bearing with, it paints a deeper picture to me. Yeah. Like carrying some of the weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's good. And that we see that it's so kind of God to give us the story that we read from John yeah. 11 on Monday when we see, you know, that Jesus wept. Like we, that's right. We mention it. We can be kind of blase about it. So not, but like, what a kindness yeah. for us to see this really profound moment. That he where, was deeply moved and yeah. in his spirit and troubled. Yeah, that's right. That helps to see our Savior that way for sure. Mm-hmm. And I love verse 36. Man, see how he loved him. Like his tears. Yeah led people yeah. conclude that he loved them. That's good. And, and sometimes I think we think that maybe it's our knowledge. I know we'll talk about this a little later in 1 Corinthians 13, but mm-hmm. sometimes we think it's like, man, 
showing someone how smart we are or how much we mm-hmm. know or telling them the answer shows how much we love them or whatever or how good of a Christian we are. It's like, no, nah, Jesus wept and they correlated him weeping with him loving. Yeah. Hmm. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I love that, that picture of like, I mean, we know that Jesus did heal in that story and in that moment, and he called Lazarus back to life, but that there is more than just physical healing happening right. here. And for these sisters to see Jesus weeping, to see him sharing their sorrow, yes, that too is a ministry of healing. And I may not be able to call somebody forward from the grave today, but I can sure sit with them and weep by the graveside, you yeah. know, and be a tangible reminder of of God's presence and in his withness, you know, that we've been talking about. Yeah. And also just reminds me of this picture that we see in Hebrews, right? Of the compassion of Jesus. Yes. You know, his throne of grace. And I wonder how often we just see God being compassionate towards us while we are troubled, while we're experiencing loss, while it feels like our hearts are hurting. Can we imagine God weeping with us, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, sympathizing with our weakness. Mm -hmm. Jamal, you mentioned 1 Corinthians 13 as we kind of look at day 37, which is ministry of life. So like if we were going from, like if death and life are competing we're invited in to participate in, first enjoy, and then also outpour a ministry of life. And you said that you wanted to talk about 1 Corinthians 13 kind of in that context, and you also talked about it in the context of just like knowledge and what information that we have. Yeah. Like, talk to us about that a little bit. I'm curious. Yeah. So I think the church at Corinth was uh, really spiritually gifted, right? So 13 comes in between chapters 12 and chapter 14, which is all about spiritual gifts. And we know that this church did not lack gifts at all. And Paul is like, hey, I love that y'all are gifted, but gifts without love means nothing. Knowledge without love Mm. means nothing, right? And so he's saying, above all of this, love, love multiplies spiritual gifts, you know? And so I think it's just really important for us to see what Paul is doing. He's like, hey, the priority is to first to love others, to love God with their whole heart, mind, soul, as Jesus says, but to love others. So as we talk about a ministry of life, I think sometimes, again, we can focus maybe in our tribes on knowledge and how much we know. But -hmm. I think what God wants us to focus on is how deeply we love. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, even right there Mm -hmm. at the end of that chapter, and now these three remain, (laughs) faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Like, that word remain is just like everything else is just getting stripped away. It's fading away. It's like blowing away with the wind. They're not bad things. Like, having the faith that can move mountains, like having, like, knowledge and prophecies and all of these things, but they will pass away. Yeah. And these things remain, and there's one thing that is greater than all of the things that remains. I think that, like— sharing that kingdom value and understanding that there's a ton of not just value there but there's that's critical to understanding the ministry that we're invited into mm-hmm. right yeah absolutely yeah knowledge is good we see that paul is a very knowledgeable person even right. in the book of corinth i mean he's a very knowledgeable person but if it's not coupled with love it comes to nothing and i think sometimes we pursue knowledge more than we do pursue love because of yeah. what Knowledge brings, oftentimes knowledge brings power, maybe even respect, whereas love actually leads us to service, 
right? Mm-hmm. Love leads yeah. us mm-hmm. to us actively. Uh, it's a verb. Participating. Participating. Yeah. And power over service may be innately kind of attractive mm-hmm. to us. Respect over service may be innately attractive to us. But the way of the kingdom is actually the way of laying our life down for others, not yeah. others laying their life down for us. I love that. Yeah. It's choosing vulnerability, which is why I think we sometimes prefer to go the other route, you know, of amassing knowledge yeah. and therefore power or understanding so that we feel less vulnerable. I feel like the way of love can be misunderstood because you're not, you know, the way of knowledge, it's like we make it our business to explain ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Where the way of love is kind of like, listen, I'm just going to do and I'm going to serve and be and It's just a different posture. I was struck by that in this reading day because Tuesday's reading collection is titled A Ministry of Life. And so as we're talking about like in this war of life and death, like we know that Jesus has conquered death and that his ministry of life, of recreation is ongoing, but there's so much love in these verses that, you know, it's so, it's just really profound how, you know, love begets life. Like they're, mm. they lead toward each other, yeah, which is really interesting. Like the way that Jesus gives life is by love. Yeah. <laughs> It's just so powerful, just coming back to this section of the foot washing. I mean, Uh when you actually just slow down and if you imagine yourself being there and you have your rabbi whom you are following and who you look up to, who is your example of being a human, right? To take off his clothes, take on the posture Mm -hmm. of a servant, and then Mm -hmm. to wash his disciples' feet and then say, as I've washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Mm -hmm. And he tells us to put this into practice, to follow his example. And so our habits form our loves. Yes, they do. Yeah. Like if mm-hmm. whatever you habitually do is going to form with you what you love. If you wake up in the morning, first thing you touch mm-hmm. is your phone and you go to social media, you're going to live for the likes of people, the approval of people, what other people are doing. But if you are forming a heart that is centered on Christ and his example of the way yeah. to live, right? That forms what you love too. So I just think that that's okay. just a powerful thing that she's saying, this is the way that you ought to live towards one another. And I think for me, I can read this and just say, man, that's a easily walk away from. That's a cool story. And look at what Jesus did for right, the disciples. Yeah. It's like, man, he's calling me to wash someone's feet today, right? Mm, yeah. And that gives people life, you know? Yeah. That gives yeah. people life too. I love that. You know, last week we were talking with Kanita about sort of the, that the way is narrow, but it's also clear in a lot of ways. There's a mystery. We acknowledge the mystery. And also we were just kind of like exchanging gratitude for the clarity of God's word in many areas of Christian living. Mm -hmm. And so in that we were kind of reading through Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, where you get a lot of Paul giving a like, and here's what I mean by this. And here's what, here's what we should be picking up and here's what we should be putting down or putting to death. And I think, Jamal, about, you know, we talked about 1 Corinthians 13, and there's another little spot where Paul gives us a, he talks about like, this isn't it. Love is it. At the end, he's like, and here's you know what remains. But right in the middle there, he yeah. says, this is what love is. Yeah. And I'm going to read it for us because I feel like we got to hear it. It's just so good. 
Here's what love is, according to Paul and the gospel and the Holy Spirit, and that's the Lord. Um, <laughs> yeah. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, yeah. but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. That's right. Thank you. Thank mm. you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for yeah. like helping us understand when you're saying like love is the thing. Thanks for that clarity. Yeah. That is clarity. Yeah, it is clarity. And what's clarifying, especially in our culture, is that it's action-oriented, right? Yes. It's not a feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. oftentimes we think that love is a yes, feeling. Sir. And it's yeah. like, no, love is a verb. And also what stands out to me is that we know that God is love and that the That's Holy right Spirit now. is the one who pours out his love into our hearts, Romans 5, 5, and that enables us to love like God. So as you're reading, I was just thinking about in Exodus, how God defines himself as compassionate, right? Mm-hmm. And loving, slow to anger, yeah. mm-hmm. abounding mm-hmm. in steadfast love. It's like, what is love? God is love. And yeah. those who are living into God, not up to, because I read this and I'm like, man, I want to live up to it. It's like, you can't live up to that. Uh. You can only yeah. lean into. The more we lean yeah, into Christ, the more He enables us to take on these attributes. That's right. Yeah. You mentioned Exodus. I mean, Exodus 3, when God meets Moses in the burning bush, and He says, I have seen my people, and I am, quote, concerned with their suffering. Like, that's the God we serve. That is Jesus. That is love. And like that we would lean into that. And we would right? lean into that, yeah. That we too would say, I'm concerned with your suffering. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It leads directly into yeah. <laughs> a ministry of abundance. That's yes. right. And this being concerned for your suffering, <laughs> that this concept of caring for one another, that out of the love of Jesus in our hearts and lives overflows to others, right? And that that overflow of God's goodness to us is what we share with others. And mm-hmm. there was a phrase in this that got me, and That's then it kept it getting me, <laughs> and is not directly from Scripture. It's certainly reflected there, and then we'll read some. But in the team's the summary of the day, it says, we do not withhold compassion mm-hmm. from those who are struggling now. And it does come from 1 John 3, where it talks about if anyone has the world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion. And so there is it is in that context, but I also think just generally speaking Mm -hmm. (laughs) that to care for those around us and be ministers of life and love is there's something about hearing the inverse of that, of not just be compassionate, but do not withhold compassion. Yeah, I like that. Because it was not withheld from me and is not actively, day after day, God's compassion is not withheld from me. And so I should not withhold it. And that, I don't know, it's so simple, but it just convicted me. Mm. And then these scripture passages just felt like a song, you Mm. know, of like the Lord just saying like, come on in. Like, this is not Mm. easy but it is good, and it is right, mm-hmm. and it is life-giving. Yeah. That's right. Well, I love the ministry that you all have here and just being able to get 
scripture after scripture in these reading days and just be mm-hmm. able to let it wash yeah. over you in such a concentrated and thematic way is really powerful. I remember mm-hmm. going through this one day last week and this section and just thinking about and connecting it to the day before about love being patient, love being kind, and then thinking about the Father's love towards me and how yeah, often yeah. times we can, as Christians, kind of take on the big brother of the prodigal son mm-hmm. posture and yes. be irritated with yes. people who we think should get it by now or who are kind of just squandering their lives mm-hmm. and we hold compassion on them, even if it's brothers mm-hmm. and sisters in Christ, right? Yes, absolutely. And so when we turn these pages and you just start letting those scriptures just wash over you and you mm-hmm. just be reminded that just as the father is patient towards me, because I'm not the older brother, or I may be with being self-righteous, but I'm also the younger brother who— yeah. <laughs> probably just doesn't realize it. And the father is just patient day in and day out, waiting for me, not judging me, washing me with his love, accepting yes. me, embracing me, uh, loving on me. And he's calling me out of that abundance of love that I receive to become that to others, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love this. And what you just said makes me want to go back. You were saying, that, like, reading about what love is makes you think about the Father's love. I want to start, like, rereading that with His. Like, His love is patient. Yes. His love is kind. Yes. His love does not keep record of wrongs. Like, I want to, like, remember that, That's like, right. if God is love, then these are what's true about the God who called me, saved mm-hmm. me, loved me, rescued me, yeah. and invites me into that kind of love. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we love out of that. A lot of times we're trying to love people and we're loving them out of our emptiness. Yeah. So we've got to living re- up to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We've got to receive yeah. the Father's love. That yeah. first Corinthians. His love. Yeah. 13. Like that's his love towards us. That's Amen. his character yeah. towards us. And the more right. we bask in that and believe that, the more the pressure is off us. Because what it does is it takes us for being self-centered and self-focused to other person focused. Amen. Yeah. Because sin inverts us, right? It makes us about us. Yes. So that we don't visit the prisoner, (laughs) right? Yeah. So that we are partial and want to be around people who are like us and save a seat for people who are important by our standards, right? Yeah. But God's love reminds us that, man, we don't deserve that love. You know, we didn't earn it. Yeah. Hey friends, pausing this conversation to tell you about one of our podcast sponsors, Haya. Now, it's no secret that typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise, right? They're filled with tons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk that your kids just don't need. That is why Haya was created. It is the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. It has 12 organic fruits and vegetables, 15 essential vitamins and minerals, and Haya has zero sugar. It's vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, all the things you want in a children's vitamin. And somehow, kids still love it. And I have to tell you, so do all the moms with young kids here at the She Reads Truth office. So if you want to see if Haya is right for your family, we have a special deal just for you where you can get 50% off your first order. Just go to HayaHealth.com slash truth. Your first order will arrive with a super cute bottle that your kids can decorate with stickers. And then each month's supply of vitamins will arrive right at your door. You don't even have to think about it. This deal is not available on the regular website, so be sure to go to Hyahealth, that's H I Y A 
H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash truth and claim your discount and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. This reading day also busted me for one of the (laughs) reasons I think either whether I realize it or not that I don't pursue compassion is fear. Mm. In Luke 12, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven mm. where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And like, I mean, even if you take one application of not withholding compassion and like applying that to generosity, right? To like, when did we see you, you know, naked and not clothe you? You know, that conversation Mm -hmm. to just not be like to trust Jesus more than I trust my stuff. Yes. Yes. That's right. I mean... And it sounds crass, but it's it so real. It is yeah. like, real. It's so it very real. real. And isn't it like the kingdom of God type of abundance to be talking about? Like yeah. to be yeah. like, hey, I want to invite you to abundance. Step one, stop <laughs> loving all of your stuff. Step two, start loving others that just like get have less and there you will find abundance. That's pretty cool. Like that's kingdom abundance. That's right. Yeah, self-preservation leads us mm. to just fear and control, right? Yeah. And then that bleeds out in how we pursue others and the anxiety that we care with others and how we have to kind of control and manipulate things to kind of keep it right in the box in the area that we that's want right. it in. But all keep the while, the, the more we're doing that, the less joy we have because we're actually not only suffocating ourselves, but we're suffocating others because we can't experience the ministry of life, right, in that way. Yeah, we can't experience it fully if we're not participating in it. We can't. Y'all, I'm telling you, this last week— I know, I love it. It just it just it. keeps on coming. All right, Amanda, <laughs> tell us about the Ministry of Invitation from the Day The Ministry of Invitation has one of the best—well, so many good stories. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to take I'm them all I'm curious which you. one you think is the best, because I have a favorite myself. <laughs> well— I was originally going to go for the banquet. Yeah. But then my eye fell toward (laughs) where Jesus is like, Simon, have something to say to you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, ooh, you're like, oh, yes, sir. Much forgiveness, much love. Yes, sir. It's beautiful. Yes. I mean, these stories of invitation. And y'all, talk about in church as it is in heaven. Yeah. Jamal, are we getting this right? Because I does not feel like it. Yeah, I think, you know, we talk about the book largely centers on ethnic reconciliation, but another class of it is just classism, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And so looking at the sin of favoritism on James chapter 2, verse 1 through 13. And yeah, man, I think that we all, yeah, these verses really cause us to slow down and to seek, as the other day says, seek, knock, you know, ask. And I think the Lord should was tugging on my heart to make sure I'm seeking, knocking, and asking, and that yes. I'm not trying to control and put Jesus in a box and let him out that box, letting him I free know. in my life <laughs> yeah. so that I can actually experience life. I see every single person as an image bearer and as beautiful and as someone who is precious to God and not put Western values on yeah, people. Yeah, man, Western values— 
This age of <laughs> the social media age that we're in, and I mean, Lord, how long, oh Lord, will it last? And it yeah. has beautiful parts. She Reads Truth came about yeah. via yeah. social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, so grateful. And so grateful. And also, it feels to live as Jesus lived, even in these few stories that we have in front of us from the Gospels on Thursday's reading, he would be canceled so fast. Mm-hmm. And they tried. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They tried to cancel him, then they tried to kill him, Mm -hmm. and then they did. But this is, we're so concerned with our reputation. And I think that, and I will just speak for myself, I think that reputation and guarding it under the guise of guarding my witness Mm. can become an idol. Because, you know, Jesus' witness was clear. Well, he was Jesus. And his Mm -hmm. witness was clear because of the way that he treated others, you know, and he didn't just welcome them to the table. It's the way that he instilled them with dignity while they were at the table Mm -hmm. and also told them the truth while they were at the table and showed them compassion and love. But we stop at not even offering the invitation Mm. for the danger of association. It just, it feels like something that I feel like is really tangled up right now Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, first start saying, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy Mm -hmm. and not sacrifice for I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners. Yep. And I just love how each of these stories just show, man, Jesus is with the tax collector. He's with the woman who is clearly a sinner. Yep. And he is welcoming children. Yes. It's as if he's saying everyone who you all are kind of pushing to the side so that you can have, quote unquote, church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm saying, that's actually what I'm about. Wow. And so I think we need to be careful to make sure that having church isn't our main pursuit. Mm-hmm. And it's actually pursuing the people who are actually hurting and who need life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. That and was so good. It just shut me up. We're I just, just like just going to mm. sit quietly. <laughs> I every time I read the parable of the large banquet, I yeah. feel like there are just so many layers and levels of conviction, first of all, and yeah. instruction and encouragement and just demonstration of understand this, understand that even after, you know, all the people who were invited found themselves too busy to attend this banquet, right? They were do- but they were doing yeah. important they things, They were doing guys. things. Like, I bought a field. I have some oxen. I just got married. I can't come. All they right. They were being well, responsible. Then, yeah, sure. But then just, like, <laughs> go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the blind, the lame. And they go out, and they get all of those people. And then what happens? There's still room. I love that. That, like... We can't fill up to the brim. Like, there's just still room. And go out again into the highways and the hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of these people who are invited will enjoy my banquet. Invite anyone who wants to come. This is about, yes, gather in church. Like, do that. But what if, like, church is in the way of, like, carrying out the ministry that you've been called to? Why can't church and ministry, like, be together, right? Why can't, like, we be bringing people in and... Golly, I just, this has been a series that has just fired me up for bringing people in and going out and as it should. Yes, it's an invitation to have church with people present who don't necessarily make us comfortable, Mm -hmm. remembering that we once didn't make others who are in Christ comfortable when we were Mm -hmm. lost, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's making space for people Mm -hmm. who need Jesus. That's right. 
and making that normative and, and caring for them and loving them and, and inviting them and making that invitation be what it should be, an invitation to rest and peace and joy and love and life, not to rules and a certain specific way of looking or talking, mm-hmm. but to Jesus, yeah, right? right? I think that's beautiful. That's right. I might that's just right. have to drive myself up to your church on Sunday, mm-hmm. Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> come on through, come on through. <laughs> I think my favorite part of this week is the way that it lands. And I'm so thankful for this Friday reading yeah. because yes. of not just the truth of it, that we are invited into Christ's ministry of harmony. I mean, how beautiful. Yeah. Does that even that even Absolutely. sounds beautiful. And that this ongoing work, like the, you know, tearing down the dividing walls of hostility and That's bringing right. people together. It's everything that you've been mm-hmm. that you've been yeah. saying since the top of the episode, Jamal. And that that is not just like you said at the beginning of the episode, there's a future reality, but it's shaping our present yeah. now. And so some of these passages I expected to read under this topic, but the amount of new creation talk Mm. in some of this, I did not realize would be there. And I was high-fiving myself as I was reading it alone. Yes. Uh (laughs) But take us there, Jamal. What did you see in this day, and how does it speak to the rest of this entire concept of God making all things new? Yeah, I think the beautiful thing, as we said before— is that God calls us to seek here and now yes. what He has already promised and guaranteed in the Amen. future. And there's something about that promise and guarantee mm-hmm. that frees us to pursue this in a gospel-saturated way, not from a place of anxiety yeah. or ought to or have mm-hmm. to, but get yes. to. When we open our eyes to see that God has divinely ordained our differences and that our differences are beautiful and that God works through those differences to build up his church, it really does free us to pursue that. I just love John 10, 16. I'm just imagining him speaking to the disciples. They probably don't even, can't really gather exactly what Jesus means by this. They will see. But he says, hey, I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them in and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd, right? He was breaking them out of that tunnel vision that this is just going to be us and this is what we're going to do. And he said, no, I've got more to come in the sheep pen. And those are Gentiles, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm going to take you all who are, you know, here from Jerusalem, Jewish, and you're going to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, to the nations, Mm -hmm. right? People from every nation, tribe, and tongue. So Jesus was actually preparing his disciples to cross cultures, right? And in the same way, his desire for us is to be ministers of reconciliation and to cross cultures. Now, in order to cross cultures, we have to be willing to pick up our cross, right? You can't cross cultures without picking up a cross. And I think that's what we actually see in Acts chapter 10, the story, right, with Cornelius and Peter. And Peter's just so deeply rooted in his Jewish heritage Mm -hmm. that he has had this vision with multiple episodes And where God is like, hey, eat what's on the sheet. And he's like, I don't know what that vision was. It's like, uh, pretty clear. Eat what's on the <laughs> sheet, right? Don't call unclean what I've called clean. I just think that's a beautiful, beautiful story, too, that we see with Peter's vision. But what really impressed me most about that 
beautiful story. So many great truths. I wish we could just hunker down there. It's verse 48 at the very yes. end. It says, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So Peter has this vision. He goes to Cornelius' house. They receive the gospel. But look at this. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. Mm-hmm. Like that's reconciliation. Yeah. yeah. It's not just ministering and preaching the gospel. It's befriending. Yeah. It's ministering in such a, a way that people want you to stay afterwards, that people want to get to know you. I like that. And so now you have this Jewish man who was slow to even step foot in Cornelius' house, who is now going to be staying the night. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's not just dropping off a pamphlet. Like, it's showing and up. And doing life yeah. together. And doing life. Breaking and a, bread. And even and, in our yeah. churches. Yeah, reconciliation. It's, it's not that hard to get people from different cultures together to worship. You can do it in a way that's unhealthy in a way where people have church together, but they don't share their lives together. Yeah. yeah. Where they don't share the table fellowship That's together. Right. Where they're not going into each other's homes together. Right? The goal and what the gospel does is it actually breaks barriers to where we actually are able to share our lives with one another across ethnic, socioeconomic, and generational differences. It's just such a beautiful picture when we allow the Holy Spirit to do what it does. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to go and just preach the rest of this, but this, y'all know this is my section. This gets me excited. But that's the thing. That's the thing, Jamal. Like, how many of us hustle home after the benediction? Well, you know, roast is in the oven, but I only made enough for the four of us, whatever it is. But the benediction, kind of in spirit, is a going and ascending not back to your house, but like into the world, yeah. right? Like nobody like, ma- don't make it, eye contact. It's almost like we're like not quite listening when we receive our benediction. And we're like, God bless me and keep me at home alone. Yes. And I'm going to go now. <laughs> yeah. It keeps us comfortable. Yeah. Both Cornelius and Peter had to be incredibly uncomfortable as the Holy yes. Spirit was working in Peter's life and Cornelius. Y'all, life. when you read this on Friday, it's a whole chapter. It's Acts 10. It's one of my favorites. It helps me to remember how painfully awkward a lot of these interactions were. Yeah. Because we just read them in Scripture, and we're like, oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, it would have been just, they must have been just mortified. Like, all of it, like, I was told to come find a man named, like, yeah. the whole thing. Because we're I humans. I don't need a lot of ham. <laughs> and we're, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you got to change the way yeah. you eat, be mindful of yeah. each other. Yeah. yeah. In that there's hope that, like, the comfort is not the thing, right? Yeah. The peace of Christ is the thing. And to get there, <laughs> we need the presence of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we are, and that's what we get. Like God is transforming us Amen. and Amen. making us new. So even if we and I are guilty of it, mm-hmm. like literally, like I can just see it sometimes when my husband and I will make eye contact. It's like, are we bolting or are we staying? Because if I stay, I stay. <laughs> mm. But if we bolt, you know, I'm like, her, don't leave me. I'm trying to get in the car. Mm-hmm. But even we who mm-hmm. struggle yeah. with community are being made new and are being transformed That's into right. the likeness of the one who exhibited perfect mm-hmm. harmony and unity and community. Mm-hmm. And it takes time, it right? Takes so time. you see Peter, he's kind of the hero of this story. He lets God use him. God does an incredible work in a short amount of time. But then we know in Galatians 2, he's going to have some problems and Paul's going to have to come in and, and lovingly correct them. And so that's just what you say earlier, the amnes, mm, where, mm-hmm. you know, and making. Like we're, we're being shaped. Am making, yeah, right? Yeah, am he making. is making. I am making. Yeah, if he was still making Peter. Mm-hmm. He's still making yeah. us. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I mean, in my case, I think it's going to take a lifetime. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. but God is here. 
So (laughs) Jamal, speaking of benedictions, I was just having a whole thing about that, but like we love to end an episode and especially like a series with a benediction. And actually there's a little section here on day 40. I would love for you to read Ephesians 2, 10 through 15 for us. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do that. Ephesians 2, 10 through 15. What a beautiful passage. Mm -hmm. So receive this benediction. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenships of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed and regulations so that he might create for himself one new man from two resulting in peace. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Peace be with y'all. Amen. That's amazing. Well, y'all listening, I hope that you, I hope a lot of things. I hope that this episode (laughs) just has compelled you to God's word and to participating in all that you were invited to as a minister of Christ. I hope that. I hope that you will go from listening to this episode, if you're listening to it on Monday, into a week of being a woman or man in the word of God every day this week. You have Y'all, it's a can't-mess week. I mean, like Jamal said, like it's just scripture after scripture. Just like it's a scripture bath of just like invitation <laughs> and encouragement and a charge and conviction. It's all the things. It's a good week ahead. And I don't want you to miss it. We'll come back next week with a brand new book. We're going to be beginning our Lent series with a book called People of Remembrance. Mm-hmm. I'm very much looking forward to that. And of course, still in our Lent season, we'll be following that by just reading the book of Matthew together as a community. So lots of good scripture ahead of us. Listen, come back next week for all of the good things, another episode. But until next week, Jamal, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. <laughs>